attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason, I'm your host for this, and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. Today's guest on the podcast, Michael Copans. That's right, Michael Copans, as you know, if you were at camp with the Copans brothers, there were three of them. Uh, we only have one on the air today, but I don't want to play favorites. I'm just saying I picked one. I got one that could uh, could find time in his busy schedule to make the show. So is he the best Copans? I'll leave that for you to decide. Before we get to Michael, though, a couple of housekeeping things. As you know, it's OJ90 week. That's why you're getting so much content in your podcast feed. If you have not booked your tickets, go to oj90.com, book your tickets, book your hotel, do all that stuff, get it out of the way, get it done so you don't have to think about it, May rolls around, you got your tickets, you're ready to go, and it's going to be nothing but camp, reunion, fun. So get it done. Also, I've been talking about this at the end of the shows, but the History Project uh, Brick program is, is about to be finished for good. Uh, we're closing up orders in the next couple of weeks because I have to get the uh, bricks ordered and get them in for the upcoming summer. And that'll be it. We won't ever have them again. We're not going to offer them next year. We're not going to reopen that at all. So if you have put off getting a brick and wanted to get a brick, now is the time. It's going to be your last chance. Uh, head over to the campojibblehistory.org and you can click right there on the homepage to order your brick. But we will not be offering them again. Orders are going to close up in about three weeks. So there you go. Okay, here we go. Michael Copans on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Michael Copans uh, started at Camp Ojibwa in 1990 as a camper in Cabin 9. Uh, was a camper through for four years through Cabin 13, uh, and then was on staff from 1995 to 1999, I think. Nice. So basically, knocked out a whole decade. That yeah. was solid. Uh, how did you? Well, you have a brother. Did both brothers go? Uh, both brothers went. Uh, so twin brother Andrew um, and an older brother Sean, uh, a little bit less known than uh, sure. the two of us because <laughs> he spent uh, less time at Ojibwa. I see. Um, but the connection with how we wound up at Camp Ojibwa was um, uh, we, were, we grew up in San Diego and there was a family, um, the Benz family, Ron mm. Benz, uh, our lovely doctor. Yes. Um, was in San Diego, and my older brother played Little League with uh, Dr. Benz's uh, oldest son, Mike. Nice. So that was the connection. My, my parents just wanted to get rid of three kids for, uh, for eight <laughs> weeks in the summertime, and they shipped us off from San Diego to uh, 
to uh, upstate, uh, upstate to uh, northern Wisconsin. Very nice. Now, when you came into camp, how would you get to camp? Uh, we would fly uh, into Rhinelander. Okay, so you'd go straight there. You wouldn't fly to Chicago. No, right? well, occasionally. So the first couple times we flew into Rhinelander, mm-hmm. uh, again, not knowing anybody from Chicago. Right, of course. Um, so we would fly there, and then somebody would come pick us up from camp, and it would be an hour ride or so to, uh, to, to Ojibwa. And then just as we became obviously very friendly with uh, our cabin mates and other people, um, occasionally we would either figure out that it makes sense to fly into Rhinelander or fly into Chicago. And then when we were staff, we would come to Chicago for a couple of days before and then ride the buses. Nice. So very nice. Yeah. Uh, so were you already a, a sports guy? Did you like sports already or yes, big time sports as depressing as that can be with San Diego. Um, <laughs> but yes, three, three boys, certainly myself included, uh, just sports 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 and that's why my parents sent us to a sports camp yeah was basketball the primary sport or? uh no i was shorter when i was growing up so uh the six two didn't kick in until <laughs> a little bit later um no just soccer soccer okay. baseball tennis um just everything yeah now in those days soccer out here huge Yes. Not so much in Chicago. No. So, so I'm guessing you probably dominated. <laughs> yes. You could not be very good in soccer, but if you were from San Diego, you were good relative to the Chicago. Very nice. Uh, to the Chicago folks. I, uh, I talked to Jimmy Warren earlier today. His son, Zach, yes. would have been a camper about the same ballpark time. He was. And he said the same thing. He's yep. like, Zach, you know, he wasn't so great at some stuff, but soccer, he'd just come out and kill it. It helped that we were good, so that definitely <laughs> helped, but it was the, the competition. Yeah, we weren't so good at hockey, but... Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Uh, so going there that first year, little kid, what's the very first thing you remember about camp? Um, just being overwhelmed, like first instance of, uh, being away from San Diego Mm -hmm. and being so far away from, from, I guess, family, but there with two brothers made it a lot more accommodating. Um, but just, I don't know, my, I, I definitely remember hearing from counselors of just how shy I was when I got there and it just I guess it took me a little bit a couple weeks to get kind of immersed Mm. um with that stuff um but you know you walk into a situation when everyone's I guess 13 years old sure um your California school system ended later than Chicago so when we first arrived at camp um everyone was settled in for like two days oh wow um so it was so any game plan whatsoever of me and my twin brother kind of having beds next to each other uh, didn't really play out that way. (laughs) Um, And it was just an adaptation. I just, I remember, uh, I remember just getting accommodated to things and and, uh, a funny story of just like, funny now, not so much at the time per se. (laughs) Um, But uh, my first kind of, oh wow, like we're not in San Diego or I'm, I'm not at home anymore was when I used the bathroom in the cabin oh. um, to take care of some business. Sure. And that did not get received very well. <laughs> and I remember things being thrown at me above and below. Um, and just like a couple days in, your first time away, and just not really having a great time with that. Yeah. Um, but my first experience with that was just recognizing how amazing the staff could be. Mm. Um, and... Uh, you you always kind of remember your staff, right? right and, of course. And, and Darren Annixer was the, you know, I guess second year JC at the time, but kind of clearly knew everything at the time. So he was uh, the first memorable staff man that I had. Um, but there was a, I think a rookie SC, like maybe was mm-hmm. at camp for one year or or maybe not. So didn't know the ins and outs of camp and everything. So we kind of looked at it from just like an outsider perspective. Sure. Um, and I remember him just seeing that I needed somebody to like prop me up. 
Um, and he took me out to the far field uh, and just kind of walked with me and just basically said, you know what, like, what's going on with you? Like, I can see that you're upset and how can I help you? And let's, let's make sure that you're all right. And, and you just sort of want to emulate that certainly when I was a counselor yeah. and everything like that to just realize like how much of a difference you can make, especially to, to the younger kids. Yeah, that's a very cool move because not every, not every guy's going to make that move, you True. know, especially for an outsider yourself, you know. Um, so maybe he was seeing a little bit of that in you himself too. Yeah. Maybe you were helping him and you didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, you you said Darren. Now, Darren was, and, and this guy, that was your first year? That was, yeah, that was 1990, Cabin 9. Cabin 9. And do you remember any of the other guys that were in there with you? Uh, any campers or counselors? And or counselors. All the yeah, I mean, uh, it was, I feel like people carried through. You know, everyone was from Chicago, but there was a contingent of... California people, um, mm. a combination of people from LA um, and San Diego, obviously my twin and I, um, but Brett Victor, oh, sure. um, a, a longtime camp uh, person, um, <laughs> arrived at camp the same year. Camp person. You um, say it with such respect, camp person. <laughs> we love you, Brett. <laughs> uh, so, and then there were some other people that had, uh, other campers that came from California that didn't last as long, mm. um, but all from LA. And then you had the whole kind of like that insular Chicago North Side sure. of Josh Mincer and Scott Snower and Dean Lurie. Um, some of them obviously stayed a little bit longer at camp than 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 some of the other guys did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were the guys that we showed up at camp, and year after year after year, they were they were there as well. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. And then staff wise, who else along the way? Oh, some favorite staff. Uh, I, you gotta always love the Bohms. I never had Adam Bohm as a uh, as a as a counselor, but Brett Bohm in, in Cabin Ten. Nice. Uh, was one of my all-time favorites. Um, and then Paul James had a couple times with Paul oh, James. Oh, very nice. Uh, cabin 10 and then Cabin 13, the year he actually passed away. He was he was my counselor. Wow. Um, so you just always have those fond memories of... I was one of the crew of people that would wake up early in the morning to go shower. Mm. Always hot water, so you never have to worry about sure, that. Of so course. strategically <laughs> decided... Um, but he would always, uh, yeah, there was a couple of us that he would just kind of tap on, wake up, you assholes, <laughs> um, and just knock on the bed and be like, he had his routine of going up to, to shower before Reveille, not Reveille, before, um, in the morning when, yeah, uh, Reveille. yeah, Reveille, yeah. sorry, taps and Reveille, it's, I'm getting sure. older here. Um, <laughs> so, um, but get up even before then and go shower. And then, uh, and then, yeah, in cabin 13, it was, uh. Adam Stein, um, Steve Tepper. Uh, so yeah, just uh, nice. again, the, the experience with most of the staff was uh, was always a positive. Are you, what ha- are you, no 14? I skipped 14. We missed 14 because it okay. was a, a family vacation year. Right on. Um, but 14 had just begun, right? Like 14, was... my older brother Sean uh, was in cabin 14 the first year that it started. <laughs> and that would have been 1992. Yeah. 1992. Because everyone was in cabin 13 for a couple years. It was like a couple years in 13. And then the 14ers, the CITs, were in the counselor's lodge. Nice. Um, so I remember those, I remember like Andy Ross petrified out of my mind when I had to play up against him in, in collegiate week um, in <laughs> field hockey. Because I was on the threshold of, I was older for the middle guys. Oh, sure. And I was uh, obviously a lot smaller and younger for the older uh, for the for the older group, yeah, and there was a whole big issue. I was on army in 1990. Um, army, um, I think it was army, uh, and I just remember that there was a controversy 
that Greg Gilberg, who was, a, who was the person older than me, much better athlete than me, um, but the opposing team was irate that he was going to go twice because oh, he see. got to compete with the, the JV mm. um, and then he was going to compete with the SV. And he was physically big enough that he could handle it. He was probably better than most of them anyways. Yeah. And the other team went bananas and refused to, uh, to let him play twice. So they, they moved on to me, <laughs> sure. who was next in line um, with, uh, uh, as the second oldest person on JV, but much smaller. Right. Um, and I was petrified out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, Eddie Ross isn't exactly a big guy no, at the time. But, but pre-puberty for, uh, for someone like me, it was, sure. uh, it was uh, I held my own. Yeah. Um, the soccer came into play there too. Oh, field course, hockey yeah. and everything. And field hockey can be tough. Like that's let's be clear. It can yeah, be a but it was full it, contact sport. It was just the size difference of going up against a fourteener yeah. um and, and and I'm a cabin niner and saying like, I can do this, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh so those are your, your camper years now. Uh as a camper, what about we talked about the sports, what about the non sports? And by that I mean the Ojibwa stage. Did you find yourself on the Ojibwe stage from time to time? No, I think uh, it's still in touch with Elliot after all these years. There was a reason I never made chorus. <laughs> there was a reason. <laughs> Not my strength. Sure, I see. Um, so so uh, minimally involved right. with that. I, we Inevitably, a stunt night appearance or two. Inevi- uh, minimally then. Okay, um, fair enough. But there was always song night, which was always oh. a disaster. Yeah. Um, that all the cabins were required to do it and it was always a last minute thing where we would just make sure that we picked a song that anyone could remember like three hours before yeah. um, and that was terrible but it was uh, always uh, yeah it was always disastrous um, and then stunt night yeah I never really I'm sure had I not skipped 14 year probably would have been a, a, a little oh, bit more of a bigger sure. presence in, in, in my team stunt yeah um, but uh, not much of a presence for that. And, and Elliot would say that's a good thing. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, what about the other uh, side of the sports, the waterfront? Uh, any of that stuff up your alley? You would think from San Diego that sure. you would want to, but no. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a pool guy as opposed to uh, a waterfront guy. Um, yeah, stepping on the floor or whatever lurks at the bottom of uh, Catfish Lake. You're preaching to the choir, my friend. I have not been in the lake in 10 years so, at all, so it's fine. Exactly. And, and back in those days, it was dipper shower. Oh, so oh. Any, anyone uh, older than me, and certainly we were sort of, we got towards to be the, the, the last of that kind of era. Right. Of uh, you talk to campers today or, or people even 10 years younger than me. And it was like, really? That was a thing? <laughs> it's like, it's like you watch um, uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Yeah. And like, this was really a thing? <laughs> so what? Uh, I will tell you that uh, this past summer, uh, three different mornings, we brought back Dipper Show. <laughs> now Dipper Show remained more, there was a little more clothing involved. I don't know what the clothing level was when you guys were still doing it. And, but, uh, and that's a, another kind of fish out of water thing, actually. So when you come to Camp Ojibwa from San Diego and you get this laundry list of things that, I mean, my mom, is, my parents were South African, no clue about any of this stuff. Yeah. So you get this laundry list of items that you need to bring. And seven pairs of shorts, 10 t-shirts, uh, sandals, flip-flops, uh, bath stuff and everything like that. Not so easy because you're, you're obviously bringing it with you on the plane or shipping right. it. So a little bit more complicated and with no clue about what to actually bring. I remember Reveille, uh, the first morning of, I hear this thing and I, I have no idea what's going on. And I frantically get dressed. 
because I'm like, okay, we have to wake up and stuff like that. And, and everyone is, everyone else is normal waking up and they're in a robe <laughs> and there was no robe packed for me. <laughs> nice. So you sit there and you're like, okay, well, uh, I'm going to need a robe pretty fast. <laughs> so that was, uh, when the letters were, were sent out, uh, no cell phones, no anything quite like that. So that was an immediate ask of, uh, of my, of my mom to yeah. send one stat um, and very quickly learned that that was used for dipper shower for the morning for cab- it was Denny was screaming that the camp uh, was a was a mess the, the the first day, so I remember having to clean the cab clean the the campus uh, oh. dressed up while everyone else was in their robes which okay. amazingly Andrew had a robe and I did not oh no see that's just not right <laughs> so, I don't know why how that happened but I did not have one <laughs> that's funny uh, what else so uh, dipper shower what did the day look like in general. Your camper day, camp just uh, sport after sport after sport, uh, and it's funny because like you remember, I remember back then that you actually didn't have to sign up to be in all sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like hockey uh, again from San Diego, hockey wasn't a big thing. So I I'd never played hockey before. So when you were signing up for teams, it was like yes basketball, yes softball. Um, and I was a little bit shy too, so it was just sort of like, okay. And I remember not necessarily even signing up to play football. Hmm. Um, and I kind of, I'm trying to remember what you actually did. So like when there were activities, and camp was a lot smaller back then, just from a from right. a population standpoint. Like there weren't that many teams that were playing. Um, so like if they were, it was, if it was a sign for like Pineapple to play um, hockey, like there, there were only like four teams playing or six teams playing at most. And if you hadn't signed up for those... I think you could just kind of wander around. Wow. Like there was no, you weren't assigned to like arts and crafts. You weren't right. assigned to do some other activity because your league was doing that specific sport. Hmm. Um, so I kind of just remember like wandering around and, and uh, whatever friends I wanted to go see play, I would just kind of do that. I would go check it out to see if I wanted to join a team. And I remember joining a football team because I, I remember watching my brother play football and, uh, and their team kick the crap out of whoever they were playing. Mm. And I was like, oh, I want to join this team. <laughs> so I joined, and I guess I just asked to join that team, so I got to join. Oh, I see. And we were terrible. I mean, I think we probably played the sec- the, the worst team, and, and we were the second worst team. <laughs> but it was like, we were not good. Um, but I just remember, like, I remember just how big camp was, like, as a, as a cabin niner, the first time you ever see it. Mm. Like, my, we arrived at camp um, during the day, and we got taken to the camp. No, no campers were actually in, their, in the cabin because there was an event going on. Mm. And it was softball. So I was on a softball team. And I remember being walked out to the far field. And like the far field to me back then was like far, far sure. away. You're like, holy crap, this thing keeps on going and going and going. <laughs> um, and I just remember getting inserted into the lineup. I mean, nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew if I was athletic, if I mm. wasn't, if I was terrible. And um, I just remember hitting a couple solid line drives. Um, the first two times I was up and my, my coach, Aaron something, uh, was just like, and you're going to be our leadoff hitter. Okay. <laughs> so a little confidence boost to basically yeah, say like, sure. all right, like I, I can, I can play with these guys and I can, I can hold my own. Yeah. Um, but it was just sports. You just went from event to event and rest period and, uh, early evening sports. And that was, that's, that's what camp was. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, Later on, I know that uh, the late evening activities have always been a little hit or miss, you know, <clears throat> over the years, depending on what they were. Yeah. Uh, any of those stick out that you recall? And I'll double down and say, what about like uh, 
theme days. So circus day, gold, sure. or any of that nonsense. Um, <laughs> the I definitely you remember more the personalities of like the special, like the mm. evening things, like bingo. Um, and you start with someone like Seth Marks uh, and Darren Annixter, who would probably be the ones that were leading the bingo and just like the ridiculousness of the stories <laughs> of not having any idea what they were talking about, but just like those personalities take over camp. Yeah. Um, and then certainly when you get a little bit older and you become staff, then it becomes my, my time, Jeff Kaplan running that show, you know, of just like, just talking and talking and talking like in, in a good way, you know, sure, absolutely. Uh, like all those are kind of the things that stand out to me from like a late night activity thing. Yeah. Um, the socials were always a bit of a disaster again, mm. just not immersed in the Chicago culture sure. of just realizing that all the girls and all the, the boys kind of knew each other from school and you're just sitting there like, you're cabin nine, you're, you don't know what the hell's going on right. anyways, <laughs> let alone you're just like a fish out of water from, okay, like there, you don't know any of these people. Yeah. Um, so that, that was never something that I terribly looked forward to. Um, I'm trying to think of what the other late night events were. We weren't allowed to do anything late at night. Like the, as, mm. as it got older, like cabin 13 and maybe cabin 12 and 14 were allowed to play basketball late at night. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't something that was open to us, mm. you know, but it was just so like, yeah, it's just kind of the usual stuff. You look forward to, to whether or not you did well in, in uh, cleanups or whether or not you got milk and cookies and all that stuff. Oh, so you still, at that time, you still had to do well to get uh, the milk and cookies? That's when actually, yeah, you actually had to clean. Wow. Because <laughs> these days, as I think you know, days, everybody gets it. And, and so that leads to a funny story of when Brett, Victor, and I were our first year on staff in 95. Uh, we had cabin one. <laughs> um, and... Again, it's certainly light years and easier away than it was when I'm sure Darren Annixer and all those other guys were campers too. It was, uh, I'm sure, a lot more hardcore than it was when we were there. Sure. But when I was a camper, you had to clean. And, and getting a 9 or a 10 was a really, really big deal. Uh, and Glenn Nesper was the, was the guy who was grading things. And he was just no nonsense. Um, so when Brett and I and, and our two SCs um, that were staff uh, were new to camp. Um, great guys. One was, uh, uh, one was from Tom was, was British. Um, and then Greg was, uh, the nicest guy, uh, Purdue, um, American. Sure. Um, but again, just not steeped in sort of the knowledge base of kind of, okay, this is how camp runs. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember like our campers, like our, our SC staff basically was like after a week, which from Brett and I, in my perspective was like, these kids got to shape up. Um, <laughs> It, it comes to like, Brett and I got called to the office after the first week, like here, Brett Victor and Michael Copans, please report to the office. And you're like, Oh God, like what did I possibly do? <laughs> first year on staff, I was like, am I in trouble already? Um, and then uh, Denny or whoever it was, was just like, so um, your SC staff nominated your cabin for honor cabin. Um, but neither of you guys did like, uh, tell me why, like, they, they deserve it. Like the SC staff wants them to, we're like, hell no. Like these kids are terrible. They don't clean. They sit on their ass doing nothing. They whine. We're like, we're not giving these kids on honor cabin. They, they got to earn it. Cabin one. <laughs> and then to top it off, when they found that out, our cabin oneers and Brett will laugh at this. Like they made signs saying we want new JCs. <laughs> And 
that was like the kids were like Brett Pearson and Alex Rosen, sure, and kids that we loved. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. But they they made signs that they were so angry at us because we're just like, no, you got to step your game up. That's really funny. <laughs> so uh, you go in, you're JC, and you go on into your staff years. Now, um, for you personally, how does that feel? How's that change for you to go from being, you know, the kid who gets to do whatever he wants, especially the older kid who gets to do what they want. Versus now you're responsible. It was, you know what? I think the gap year of not being there in 14, it was just so great to be back at camp Mm. um, that there was definitely, there was definitely some, not regret because it was a once in a lifetime vacation with my family that was, uh, my older brother was going to college and it was like trying to fit that in and and A, I didn't have a choice in the matter. That's what we were doing. but it was just real excitement to go back to camp yeah. um, and just the excitement of being a JC um, and just like a whole different world in that sense of just like a little bit of freedom, just seeing it on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, always wanted to get paid more, right? Sure, but, um, sure. But it was, just, it was just so great to be back at camp. Like, I mean, at that point in time, like you would have paid to go back to camp, let alone getting paid for it. Yeah. Um, and that like when my time at camp was coming to an end and, and I graduated college and was starting work and everything like that, I still, um, I get my years mixed up a little bit, but even in like, I think my last year on staff might've been 2000. Um, and then in 2001, I remember coming back to visit and maybe, maybe as late as 2002, I don't remember. Mm. Um, but just like sending Denny an email to be like, Hey, like, is there a place that I can sleep on? You know? Just like, just like that relationship of just basically saying, I just want to go back to camp. Like kind of trying to hold on to that for as long as you can. Yeah, um, absolutely. And just, just, I remember sleeping in the arts and crafts, that room next to the arts and oh, crafts. Oh, sure. The galloping like, horse. Yeah, yeah. For like, um, with Scott Peters, I remember he was visiting. <laughs> um, for, for like a week and just no responsibility aside from just helping officiate things um, and just, just being able to have fun and see friends and, and, and go to McGregor Blink Bonnie's and, um, uh, yeah. So just, just excitement for all that. So it yeah. was, uh, and the transition was, it was fun. Like it was great to be a camper and it was great to be a counselor. Yeah. Uh, once you were on staff, who were some of you mentioned your, your co-staff, Mr. Victor, uh, who were some of your other co-staff along the way that you, um, that you liked? but liked everyone yeah you know um and just it was always a good mix of just the israelis or the the internationals Mm. and the americans you know Uh, again i'm I'm pretty i I like everybody you know so it's it's a positive way to go through life Um, spoiler alert michael's a pretty nice guy i'm just gonna tell you guys that right (laughs) now so it never like this guy's new i'm not interested in and stuff like that so Um, but I, I remember Cavill and Greg Shellhouse was like the nicest guy. Um, and then I shifted, that was my first year on staff, second year on staff, cabin 12. Um, so I did the jump from wow. one to 12. That's a big jump. Big yeah. jump. Um, and my co-staff was Genzer, Alex Genzer, um, <laughs> Josh Walreich. Sure. Uh, Alex Genzer, the, the standard story of JC nights out. I would get home at, I don't even know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, nothing too crazy. And Alex is like, you're home for the night? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm out. <laughs> God knows what was going on, but uh, he had coverage of the cabin, so we were we were cared for. Very nice. Um, and then, and then there was another. Yeah, I think another newcomer in twelve. And then the next year, jumped back to cabin three. Um, Andrew Lipsman. Okay. Um, 
who was my JC when I won Collegiate Week in 97. Oh. So we shared a cabin. Nice. Uh, which, so we had a many, many chats, and, and uh, it worked out that I was able to get him as my JC. Uh, Kevin Blitz. Um, and then, now I'm trying to rack my brain who else it was, and maybe a couple of newcomers. Mm. And, then, and then the following year got interesting, because it was, I was in cabin 11, uh, and Cabin 11 was a bit of a disaster. I see. <laughs> so I was the senior SC in Cabin 11. Was uh, it a disaster because of the campers or because of the um, staff? The, the, no, the, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the <laughs> campers route. Okay. Um, I'll not mention any names. Sure. Uh, offline we can. <laughs> um, and it just, uh, it was a challenging cabin. I see. Um, from a camper standpoint. Um, to the point that... It was so challenging that I, I, I didn't view it as an issue for myself because I had pretty good control of things. I, I knew camp, JC, SC, been around the block um, and had pretty good control of, of, of running a cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I don't think anyone can handle it. Um, and Denny made the choice to move me, swap me with Jeff Kaplan. Oh. But Jeff Kaplan was in cabin 13. Oh, very nice. And I don't think Jeff Kaplan was terribly happy. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't. <laughs> he got moved from 13 to 8, uh, from 13 to 11, and I got moved, or maybe I'm mixing my years a little bit, but whatever the case was, I got moved to cabin 13, and it was it was bliss. <laughs> nice. Yes, 13 comes with a few perks. Uh, it is uh, 14 as well. Like yes. It's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first. Didn't have to get up for Reveille. Didn't have to... Uh, yeah, it was a lot, a lot more freedom. That's fun. Um, I think it might have been cabin. Yeah, I'm mixing up my cabins maybe. But it was, uh, yeah, I think maybe cabin uh, cabin 8 or cabin 11. I can't remember. Jeff Kaplan will remember, I'm sure. Yes. Well, you mentioned a bunch of newer people, but it's interesting because that, so the 90s really were, I mean, we still had our guys that would go through and become JCs or whatever, but the camp was still very small. And it was still kind of, it was still building up from yeah. having been purchased and everything. Yeah. So we were still hiring a lot of guys. I yeah. mean, I was sort of the tail end of that. By, by 2000, you know, we still were hiring a lot of guys, but by 2003 or four, when that big age group of Shovers and Asher, when yeah. again, that whole huge age group hits and becomes JCs from that point on. Yeah. These days, we might hire two people a year. And it's it's interesting. Asher went a cabin one camper of mine, right? So... Through all the years, yeah. um, but and I remember 1990, my first collegiate week team was Michigan. It's like you, you I can't believe I couldn't remember that. Um, but my first year at, at, at camp, a you could it was either stay for four weeks and leave after four if that was your first year, or everyone had to stay eight. Right, was no that was second, the very beginning. There was no yeah. second session, um, so it was either four, and if you were past your first year, it was eight or nothing. Um, but eight teams in collegiate week, my first year in 1990 crept up to 10 teams in 1991, crept up to 12 teams in 1992. Um, so just the change of just like the volume of people at camp yeah. um, and just the style of like, there was one, again, 1990-91, it was, there was one champion for your leagues during leagues. Right. Um, so if you left after four, thanks for coming, but <laughs> you're not on any plaques. Um, and then what year was it? Was it 1993? That yeah. it first changed into two sessions? The part where they um, would let you come for four if you were new, there's a little gray area because I think some people got away with it before it was official that okay. you could do that. Sure. And then there was like a year or two of it official you could do that. And then it became full on four weeks. Okay. Um, and I think it's 93 or four that okay. that's when real official four weeks happened. Okay. 
Yeah, because I think we'd have to go back to the plaques in the mess hall to yeah. figure out like when did it first start, and then the totem pole. Like I just, I mean, one of my fondest memories was the the arts and crafts director um, who was there in ninety ninety one ninety two. It was the same guy. I'm drawing a blank on his name, mm-hmm. but if you look in the mess hall, I mean, those plaques are in um, a league of their own. Those that's as the, far as the design, the animals, the art yeah. plays on both sides. I mean, it's just just. On like 1990 was they kind of I remember where it is in the mess hall and they short they shared the same design but 1991 92 and 93 um, and maybe I'm partial because that's when I was a camper well. but um, <laughs> but like you look at those plaques and they were just the variety and just the design was yeah. just like nothing else at Ojibwe before yeah and then it's it shifted to the totem pole kind of year after year after year after year being kind of the same thing. And, yeah. and obviously I haven't been back in a number of years to not know what it's like now. Um, but I just remember that that kind of stuff. And I think that all is part of uh, the Rosen era too, in a sense that um, there were just some, some conservative ways of doing things that had lasted for so long. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, the doors opened up on stuff. And then, and then things you don't think about, the doors opened up yeah. on. And that was part of it. You know, yeah. like, holy crap, we don't have to just do these little arrowheads in the corner. We can do a crazy plaques yeah. or whatever it is. And, and just like plaques and the names of teams. One of the other things that I remember at some point, like a flip got switched where you used to be able, like the camp, the counselors, uh, and even my first couple years on staff too, you used to be able to like name your team anything. Yeah. Um, and then it got a little bit too crude, probably, <laughs> <laughs> where there was just something that was like, no, no, like we're, we're cutting, we're just cutting this off. And I remember um, Adam Carmel, does that name ring a bell? Mm. Okay, so he was a really good athlete, uh, a camper um, for a number of years, and he was just physically bigger than a lot of people. So, but a really good athlete, and I had him on my soccer team. Um, and he, it's not that he was good at soccer per se. He was just a good athlete, but he was so much bigger than everybody else that he would just toe kick it, mm. toe poke it, and he would score kind of at will because he was just physically bigger than everybody else. Yeah. But he was always, always complaining about his back hurting him. Okay. So I named my team Carmel's Back. <laughs> nice. And I remember the staff wouldn't, the senior staff like, it, because it had his name and the connotation, I guess, was it was something bad. Mm. Um, they, like, wouldn't let me name it that. And I'm like, it's it's actually, like, a credit to him. and it's But they just didn't want to hear any of that. Wow. And I don't remember. I'd have to look back at the plaque to see if it actually was able to be named that. But it was it just, like, flipped so 180 the other way to be like, you have to name it the Indians. Not the Indians. Uh, you have to name <laughs> it the, yeah, the Padres or, right. or the Soccers or things like that. Um, as opposed to just, like, picking any camper's name and naming it associated with that because it got a little bit uh, over, over the edge. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about uh, people going out and whatever. Any great stories from the um, your staff years of maybe going out a little later than 10 o'clock? Uh, <laughs> any, any nonsense that happened there? Ah, nonsense with that. Uh, pretty tame. Um, very, very tame. Sad to say. Just a, a lot of fun nights at in-laws. Yeah. Just shooting pool, hanging out, um, getting ridiculously cheap uh, food and drinks. Sure. Um, yeah, bowling wasn't a big thing back then, too. Uh, I mean, just more so vicariously through others. You yeah. know, like one of, the, one of the crazy or the funny things about a lot of the Israeli staff. I mean, just stereotypically, Israelis are pretty crazy to begin with. Um, and the staff were no different. So, like, you would just hear... 
you would hear these absurd stories <laughs> of uh, people hooking up in cars outside of the uh, the bowling arena. Sure. Um, and you're just like, yeah, I can believe that. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, sad to say, unfortunately, nothing too crazy on my end. Yeah. Well, and crazy. speaking of crazy international stuff, you were there for Ozzy, right? When Ozzy first got there? Daniel Lennon? Daniel Lennon, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. there for early on for him. Yeah. Yes. I, I guess the, in those days there was enough There were too many Aussies. Aussies and Kiwis Correct. that people had those nicknames, you know. <laughs> and then I forget, oh, yeah, they were it all. Um, like my first year, Ozzy was still around. Your first year was? 2000. 2000, okay. So Ozzy was still around, and I also, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Selwyn. Selwyn. Selwyn Butler. Selwyn Butler was his first year. He was a co-staff of mine. Nice. Yeah. So he had, uh, he was pretty like, he had kind of moved into the Nesper role. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, we weren't calling it that, but like, I had my first year review with him okay. and things like that. And, and when it was time to go pull someone out of the bar because it was time for that to happen, Selwyn, he was the guy. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And I was like, and it's weird because for me, the, those weird memories are, I, I was never a camper, so I came as a staff guy. And you understand like camp is a routine. So if someone is, you know, if someone is admin at camp, you're like, oh, that's an admin guy. He, he yeah. must have always been a boss. You yeah. know, like Scott Peters was like worked in the office or something. I was like, oh, he must be in charge yeah, around here. Scott or something. Peters. <laughs> right. And you come back the next year, like none of them are there. You're like, oh, oh, I see. Okay. I'm totally confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you say Selwyn Butler, and he was, he was, uh, I think, cabin three. We, uh, yeah, he was nice. cabin three his first year. He was, uh, um, I was a senior, uh, first year at SC, but kind of like the senior person on staff there. Yeah. Um, just because someone older than me, but new to camp. Right. Um, and I just remember, just the nicest guy, right? And I remember when the staff who had talent, unlike me, would do like, various different things for like staff talent night or whatever. And they would do the, um, the haka, the right? haka. Yeah. And I was like, Holy crap, this dude's ripped and he's insane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, his last summer, he at warrior night by the campfire, yeah. he did it. And it was like, people are crying. And <laughs> I was still a little new to camp. It was like my second or third year. And I was like, okay. I mean, yeah, right on. I'm not going to cry over this, but this is great. <laughs> and you're right. He was, he was sort of unassuming. I mean, you could tell he was a guy who had kind of big arms, but like you didn't really see a lot of that side of yeah. it. And then all of a sudden he's like yoked yeah. and, and just like rah, and, screaming. And, and, and mind you, I'm a first year SE. I was probably 6'2", and I think I maybe weighed 130 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect pair. I was not a good tug of war. <laughs> nice. Uh, so sort of heading towards wrapping up, there's a couple of things I always ask at the end. So I'll, I'll preface one so you can think about it a little bit, and then I'll ask the, the important one, the heavy one. The first thing is I'm going to ask you to tell me a couple of great stories, just a couple of great ones you have in your pocket that you tell from time to time, whatever they may be. I mean, any story uh, any story begins and ends with winning Collegiate Week. <laughs> so, well, um, <coughs> why don't Brett, we start at the Brett, pinnacle? Brett Victor. <coughs> Uh, Does that? Are you implying me. then? I guess that Brett Victor doesn't have an act, actually any stories to tell. Then I guess is what you're saying. <laughs> stories that count. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. So, uh, hi, Brett. Um, <laughs> um, no, it always starts and ends with with uh, Collegiate Week. Um, so, not a story per se, but just like um, having. I lost Collegiate Week in 1993 when I was in cabin 13. Uh, and of course, Andrew, my twin, won it that year. Mm. So, uh, and we shared a, a little cube in cabin 13. So bunkmates, 
down to the wire. I came in second, he came in first. Wow. Um, and we had led most of the way. Um, heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. But we weren't there in 94, so he never got to see the Princeton bench. Um, <laughs> so fast forward to 1997, where it was my first year as an SE, um, first chance to have an opportunity to have my team, um, and I won. Um, so you think back and you look, on, you look back on just like a lot of the fond memories of how did this one camper fall to you? Um, and it's timely in, in this sense because there was, you know, people came at four weeks then. So sure. like I was in cabin three, I was, I was coaching Peach or um, the next level up, Grapefruit maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't terribly exposed to a lot of the new kids that were in either pineapple or um, watermelon. watermelon. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously I knew all the old guys. So there was a, a camper named Todd Kipnis. Mm. Uh, brother to Jason Kipnis, sure. who I had heard was a good player, great softball player, but I didn't know him, you know, and, and I, that's all I kind of knew. So you're in the, you're in the war room, you're drafting and, um, all of a sudden it comes to the round where I'm picking and this kid has apparently fallen to me. And you just kind of remember, like, I don't know who this kid is. He shouldn't have fallen this far. Um, can I pick him? And, and Andrew Lipsman uh, didn't know him either, so it's not like he could give too much guidance either. Right. And, and I remember Benji Schwab and Brett Victor just basically saying, pick this kid. Pick him. You don't know him, pick him. Nice. And, and I picked him. You just, sometimes you just trust your, you trust your friends that they're going to guide you down the right path. It was an early-ish round, so you knew he was going to be a pretty good athlete to begin with. And he was the most humble kid um, to begin with, you refused to call me anything but coach. Wow. <laughs> and I just remember we had back to back and I won and people get really irritated by this because for whatever reason, the scheduling was two field hockeys to start on the first night. Wow. So <laughs> you get a 20 point uh, event as opposed to a 15 plus bonus. Right. And I won the first two field events and I'm at 40 points before the first night is over. And... Todd Kipnis shows up playing in pineapple in the JV and just running circles around everybody. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, holy crap, this is a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's, uh, yeah, that was the beginning and uh, the beginning of my uh, victorious uh, uh, win with Collegiate Week of Army in 97. Um, and then uh, another, another good story involves Denny actually of, Puts me in a bad light, but um, in, in a good kind of funny story after the fact where it got to the end where I was a staff um, and it got out of control with Collegiate Week where, and I'm sure you probably know this as well, where everyone, uh, every Chicago mom uh, was sending oh, sure. hats and shirts and mesh shorts for when campers were drafted by the team because immediately you would write a letter home and then the next thing you know, it would be inundated uh, the office would be inundated with, uh, um, with just box after box after box. So Denny outlawed that. He, he just basically said enough was enough and probably the right decision. Sure. I never got in trouble. And I was, and I was obviously, you had your favorite campers here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and John Katz, bigger than me as a camper, um, was one of my favorite kids. Uh, and he was cabin 14, I think. Um, and I just remember we used to have just chat session after chat session and sitting on 
um, not the on the collegiate we bench and on the white benches next mm-hmm. to next to there, and he's like, "Can you do me a favor?" And I said, "What's the favor?" He's like, "We're not allowed to send boxes to campers, but can you can you get a package? Can my mom send a package in your name with something?" <laughs> I was like, "Sure." <laughs> so, and then maybe there was another camper. Um, and it's not that John was on my team, actually. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I, yeah, I just, I love the kid. Yeah. So I was like, of course. Um, and maybe there was another kid, Jason Goldman. I think I might have done it for him too. And clearly, when there are like two kids that are walking around with a brand new hat for their team, I hadn't <laughs> thought this through. <laughs> so the next thing I know, I hear Michael Copan's "Please report to the office." And I'm like, okay, that's that's not. interesting (laughs) so I roll up to the office and I get taken back to the green room and Denny's sitting there and he just he sits me down and mind you this is the first and only time that I've ever been in the green room with Denny on my own Mm. Um, and he just looks at me and excuse my language he goes do you have any idea how much fucking grief you've caused me And I said, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then he said, you can go. <laughs> so I hopped on out of there as quickly as I could <laughs> and uh, did not do that again. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. What I always like to end with is uh, not too heavy, but um, you're a grown up now. Uh, you have a lovely family. You live in beautiful San Diego. Uh, my first time here, it's gorgeous. Uh, I mean, look at the, you have access to an incredible media room. <laughs> um, now, as an adult looking back, how, how would you say Camp Ojibwa affected your life? Um, it makes you become certainly independent. And, and I think so you take that, those first couple of days of mine uh, of just being nervous and kind of scared and tense um, of being away from home and, and my family's international. So South African, like went away for college, obviously, but this was, this was the first time that I'd really been away and had the support system of my older brother and, and my twin brother at camp at the same time. So we were kind of all going through this together. Mm. Um, but to be 12 years old and, and kind of just go away where your parents aren't visiting during parents weekend, you, they put you on a plane and say, well, we'll see you in eight weeks. Yeah. Um, you you grow up pretty fast in that sense and just it took i guess it took me probably a couple weeks to sort of become comfortable again i don't remember that part um but um but i do remember just like after a couple weeks of just being you know athletically being able to hold my own um making friends pretty quickly and just realizing that this place was a pretty cool place Mm. um and so that's the biggest thing I remember. And then certainly as a, as a counselor, like you just, you want to, you want to set that tone for, for all the campers that you had, just kind of knowing that the, the counselors that set the stage for you of just like, what is camp all about? The Darren's and the Brett's um, and the Steve Tepper's and like all of those guys of just like, you kind of, the hope is that that's the memory that the Brett Pearson and the Alex Rosen and the Andy Hirsch, um, all of those kids, Adam Catlin, um, like Aaron Levitan, like when I lived in New York City, like I would see Aaron Levitan and Aaron Linsky. Mm. Um, 
and and keep in touch. You know, unfortunately, things kind of your life gets life gets complicated, right? Sure, and, you, and you kind of lose touch with a lot of people that you'd love to to continue to be in touch with. Um, but like you, you hope that they look at you having been a staff man for six years the same way that you looked at the people that were your staff. And, and I certainly hope that that's my legacy with camp. Nice. Okay. Well, I think that says it all. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate Thanks, you taking Chris. the time. Yeah, appreciate Okay, that is it. Another one in the books. Michael Copans. I mean, could you be nicer? Could you be nicer than Michael Copans? What a sweet guy. Uh, I drove out to San Diego. I got to hang out at his house. Uh, you heard a little bit of a reference to it, but uh, we recorded in the one of the utility general use rooms of his complex there, uh, which was awesome because no one was around and we're in this room with giant couches and all this decor. And it was just very, very funny setting for what we were doing. But another awesome one in the books, and uh, thank you to Mr. Copans. And Andrew and Sean, you're both welcome to be on the show at any time. Just let me know, and we will put that together. Okay, as always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email at Christopher at CampoJibbaHistory.org. Swing by the website. Check out the new updates. Swing by OJ90.com. Check out CampoJibba.com while you're there. Oh, and did I mention we just released an app for the iPhone? A Camp Ojibwa app for the iPhone. So if you haven't gotten that, go to the iPhone store, the app store, type in Ojibwa and check it out. <laughs> my, my, my twin brother will, will always be known as Psychopans. <laughs> and that carries on today. <laughs> <laughs>